At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com. This is the VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets. Here is Adam Burke. Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this edition of VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets. I'm your host, Adam Burke. We are one day away from opening day, so figure this episode of the podcast is a good one. Talk about game betting strategies, because we've got a full dance card for Thursday, all 30 teams in action, so we got a lot to discuss on this edition of VEASAN Daily Baseball Bets. If you've missed the AL or the NL previews from earlier this week, I encourage you to go back and check those out. Also, last Friday, did a piece on the rule changes. Some teams I think will benefit, some teams I think it may affect negatively. So you got three podcasts in the can already. This is the fourth one. And then, of course, opening day coming up here on Thursday. We'll be doing the podcast Monday through Friday. My daily article over at vcin.com will be Monday through Saturday. And I'll say something at the end of the show here about the schedule that you can kind of look forward to with the posting time for the article and also the posting time of this podcast, but a lot to get to. So I want to dive right in here. Uh, I guess, you know what? I want to remind you over at vcin.com. You can check out all 30 of my MLB team previews. We got our MLB betting guide over there where I contributed a piece on the rule changes, Steve Mackinan with some trend stuff. Uh, one of my write-ups in the MLB guide, but all 30 of them over at vcin.com. I had five season win total picks out of those 30 team previews. Don't really do a whole lot in terms of the futures market, but You can read those, decide for yourself if there are some teams that you want to invest in. But as I said, we're going to go over some game-by-game betting strategies here, and I want to preface this by saying that I am a self-proclaimed nerd. I am very, very deep into the sabermetrics and the analytics. There's a glossary over at vcin.com linked in every one of those team previews of some of the stats that I use to handicap. They can be overwhelming. There can be a lot of acronyms that you may not know, that you may not understand, that may take some time for you to learn what they mean and how they apply to betting on baseball, but that's my job. It's my job to convey what those stats mean, why they're important, and how you can use them to hopefully have a successful baseball season here. So I will talk about some of them throughout the show. I'll take the time to explain them in a manner that 
you know, should be easy for everyone to understand. At least that's the goal that I have. I'll expand on them a little bit more as I'm doing the daily article. But the thing about baseball is there are so many statistics out there. A lot of great resources. Fangraphs.com is the holy grail. Baseballsavant.com is the online home of StatCast data. You have other sites as well. Baseball Prospectus writes good stuff. The Athletic is very important to have a subscription to because you have the beat writers. They give you information on, you know, player injuries, roster decisions, uh, you know, some of the stats and some of the things that they're interpreting as well. As much as I hate it, for the most part, Twitter is a great resource, you know, because you can follow beat writers. You can get the information from them in real time about guys who are in the lineup, guys who are out of the lineup, what managers are saying in their press conferences, stuff like that. So these are all very valuable resources for you. And I do actually have a Twitter list, I believe, unless Elon Musk messed everything up. But I do have a Twitter list of MLB beat writers that my buddy at MLB Dream on Twitter, who's a very good follow, by the way, uh, even though he works for a competitor, shame on him, but a very good follow on Twitter. Uh, I got a list of a lot of beat writers that, um, you know, look, it, it helps you get information in real time. It can be a very important thing, particularly with the way that these lines move. So I don't know if I can share that because it's his but uh, I'm sure he'll share it on his Twitter timeline here at some point, or I'll just shoot him a message and, and ask him if he can. But it's important to have these resources lined up. And for me, you know, I kind of have a process that I go through with every game using these resources and kind of get into the rhythm of that. So I think that's something that could benefit you uh, with your own hand handicapping as the season goes along here. So I'm going to talk about five things, and I'm going to try to do it as quickly as I possibly can here on the show in terms of game-by-game betting strategies. So let's start with line moves and reading the market because Major League Baseball, if you're not that familiar with betting it, maybe this is your first time, or if you are familiar with it, it is a money line sport by and large. The spreads in MLB games are largely minus one and a half or plus one and a half, which is called the run line, but it's a money line sport. So instead of betting minus three and a half, minus six and a half, plus seven, stuff like that, you're betting minus 130, minus 150, plus 130, plus 150. So money line sport is a little bit different because you get more line moves throughout the course of the day. You'll have a game go from minus 140 to minus 145 to minus 150 to minus 155, whereas you don't see movement like that necessarily in the spread markets. At least you don't think you do, but you really do because the spread movements all correlate to movement on the money line So you just don't really notice it in the other sports. But in terms of Major League Baseball, there are three phases that I've found of line movements. The first is overnight. So it's tricky for me because I'm a believer in getting the best of the number that you can. A lot of people say you've got to get the best of the number. Well, the best of the number might have been there for 30 seconds, a minute, a minute and a half. Virtually impossible to get the best of the number. So you want to get the best of the number that you can which means shopping around for the best price. Don't take minus 130 at FanDuel if you can get minus 125 at DraftKings. Don't take minus 140 at DraftKings if minus 135 is out there at BetMGM. Get the best price that you can, and this does require you to have multiple accounts at multiple sports books, but it will help your bottom line. It will help your break-even percentages I'll talk about in a minute, but shopping around, critically important. Now, for the article, DraftKings owns VEASAN, so I will be using DraftKings numbers 
and in my tracking sheet will be tracking based off of the DraftKings odds, which are widely available to pretty much everybody in the sports betting world, ironically enough, except for people like myself in Nevada. But, you know, if you find a better number somewhere else, take it. You know, better number on a dog, better number on a favorite, less juice on a total, take it. That's really, really important to be able to shop around. I think that's the most important thing about betting into the baseball market. Don't take the worst of the number. Take the best of the number that you can find when you're at a point where you can break down that game and kind of analyze everything. But going back to the three phases of line moves here, overnight, early morning, and when lineups are announced. So overnight, you'll see line moves based on kind of the stats, the pitching matchup, maybe what happened the day before, stuff or in the game before, stuff like that. I like to call these line moves coming from the quant crowd. And by that, I mean the quantitative analysis crowd, the modelers, basically. People that have spreadsheets, have a bunch of data, they're able to produce their own lines on the game and then bet into the market where they believe they have edges. In the early morning, you get the East Coast crowd that wakes up, they start shopping around for numbers, they start evaluating. Some of those people may be modelers as well. They start looking into what happened the day before and start breaking down the matchups. And that's where you get, you know, big East Coast markets like the New York, New Jersey market, where you get, you know, Pennsylvania, you get some of these states that have had legalized sports betting for a long period of time. As those people start getting into the market, you start seeing the line moves moving around. And the third is when lineups are announced. And this is pretty obvious. You know, if if there's a game that the Angels are playing and Mike Trout is out, the line's going to move. If the Mariners are playing and Julio Rodriguez is out, the line is going to move. Because the difference between a Mike Trout or a Julio Rodriguez is significant enough that that line will move. And whether it moves because of betting action or because the books adjust it, that's something that can be a little bit difficult to differentiate. But you will get a lot of line moves once the lineups are released because a player will be worth X amount of cents to the line. You know, let's say a superstar like Mike Trout, maybe the modeling crowd says he's worth 20 cents to the line or 25 cents to the line, and he's not in the opening day lineup. He's got a bad back. His wife's giving birth. Who knows what it could be? He's just getting a random day off. That line's going to move. So we see a lot of those when lineups are announced, which typically happens, I would say, four to five hours before first pitch. Some teams are better about getting them out there than others, but you will see basically three phases of line moves, overnight, morning, and when lineups are announced. So those are things that, you know, if you're looking to jump into the MLB betting market and try to get the best prices that you can, understand that there will be these line moves in these games. And as we go throughout this show, throughout the course of the season, I will try to talk about spots where maybe I think you can wait, spots where maybe you want to jump ahead, spots where maybe you want to look at an overnight, stuff like that. I'm I'm in a bit of a difficult position because I am writing an article to go along with recording the podcast and lines will move in real time and stuff like that. But I'll do the best that I can to kind of convey my thoughts on what the line is, where the line may be going, why the line is moving, which I think is really important to figure out as well. So those are important steps, I think, for everybody out there. And I think it's important, too, to try and pick up on trends in the market. And I don't mean betting trends like this team is 10 and 2 as a favorite on Tuesday. I don't I don't care about betting trends. What I care about is looking at teams and pitchers in the market where I see trends from betters of, you know what? They bet against this guy in three straight starts. 
the people out there with influence don't like this pitcher. So if you want to fade him, you're going to jump in on it earlier. Or if you think he has a good matchup, wait it out because you'll probably get a better number. It's the same thing with teams, too, specifically early on in the season. I talked about this on, on Friday's show. I've talked about it on various appearances. The new rule changes really seem to benefit a team like the Arizona Diamondbacks. And the Diamondbacks are getting a lot of love in terms of the season win total market. They're getting a lot of interest, a lot of investment. When the season starts, I would assume that that carries over on a game-by-game basis where people will be betting the Diamondbacks, particularly in underdog roles. People like the season win total, but there's still a team with a win total in the mid-70s. So on days when Zach Gallen's not pitching, there'll be a dog in most of their games. So that may be an underdog where you see that line maybe go from plus 120 to plus 115 to plus 110, stuff like that. So those are the trends I'm talking about. Kind of thinking about the teams and the pitchers essentially as stocks as something that's going to gain value, lose value, there will be buy points, there will be sell points, stuff like that. But you try to look for those things in terms of handicapping these games and getting the best of the number that you can. And again, that correlates to shopping around where you know you may have a market that's a little bit more public-driven, like a FanDuel, like a DraftKings, where they have such a big market share, where you know, you're going to get a lot of public bets on on favorites and, and teams like the Yankees and Moneyline Parlays and all these kinds of things. You know, other books don't have that sort of exposure and may take, you know, more dog money with some of these plus money dogs. So you may find a better underdog price at a DraftKings than you will at BetMGM. It's all about trying to figure out and understanding the market based on some of the things that you're seeing out there, whether they're better driven or stats driven. And I'll talk about stats in a couple of minutes here. But just to illustrate about shopping around and why it's important. So your break-even percentage, if you're betting at minus 110, which is what most spreads are, if you're betting at minus 110, your break-even percentage is 52.38%. So you need to get 52.38% of your bets right at minus 110 to break even. If you bump the VIG or the juice up to minus 115, your break-even percentage is 53.49%. So up a little more than a percent, which means that's another full game, or full bet, I should say, out of every 100 that you need to get right to break even, going just from minus 110 to minus 115. Minus 120, 54.55%. Minus 125, 55.56%. Minus 130, 56.52%. You can see the pattern here. Basically, for every five cents of juice under minus 200 or so, you have to get almost a full extra bet right out of every 100 bets to break even. That's why price sensitivity matters. That's why shopping around for the best line matters, because the better the number, the lower your break even percentage is going to be. And contrary to what some people will tell you, sports betting is hard. It is hard to pick winners in any of these sports. In this business, it's just a very difficult thing to do. It is not easy. There are not a lot of people that bet professionally for a living. And a lot of it has to do with how difficult it is to beat the VIG, to beat the juice. Not only do you have to get the bet right, but you also have to try and get the best of the number that you can enter the market at the right time. There's a lot that goes into it. But for you know people out there that are learning, people out there that are casual bettors, you know, try to try to pick the right side, but also do yourself a favor by not taking the worst of the number. 
So that's something I think is critically important here. And again, like I said, my article will use DraftKings odds because they own VSIN, but DraftKings may not have the best price on a game. FanDuel may not have the best price on a game. MGM may not have the best price on a game. Bet Rivers, so on and so forth. So it's up to you to be able to shop around. You know, if you if you're buying a pair of jeans, right? And it's just, you know, a standard pair of jeans, not exclusive to any store, and they're 50 bucks at one place and 40 bucks at another, where are you going to buy your jeans from? It's the same thing in terms of the betting odds for any sport, but baseball especially, shop around for the best prices. So let's talk about some matchup-based data-driven analysis because I am not someone, I do not create my own numbers. I do not power rate Major League Baseball teams. My handicapping approach to baseball is a matchup-based data-driven analysis. So I'm looking at kind of some overall things and then digging some more into the statistics. So let's talk about some of the overall things that I'm looking at first. So let's say, for example, you had a left-handed pitcher on the mound, right? We'll say Nestor Cortez for the Yankees, just to to make it easy, give you a frame of reference. Well, is Nestor Cortez facing a right-handed heavy lineup that hits lefties really well? Or is he facing a lineup that's got a lot of left-handed bats, kind of uses some platoon right-handed bats that are guys that are you know typically bench guys that just aren't very good? That's an important part of the handicap right off the top. Because what I'm looking for overall are run scoring opportunities. Do I think this team will generate enough run scoring opportunities to put themselves in position to win the game? Because performance with men in scoring position is very, very volatile, extremely volatile. Balls find holes or they don't. And typically that's how a game is decided, whether or not a team gets hits with men in scoring position. But if you're giving yourself more opportunities, two drive-in runs, that's when I start looking at that team and say, you know what, kind of like them in this game. So, for example, looking for some of those bigger picture trends, and we're already seeing this, oddly enough, for opening day here, the Chicago White Sox. So they're facing Framber Valdez and the Astros. Framber Valdez is left-handed. The White Sox almost always take money against left-handed pitchers because they are such a right-handed heavy lineup with guys that hit for power from the right side. And they've been top five in the league in offensive performance against left-handed pitching for the last several seasons, it feels like. So when they face a lefty, money comes in on the White Sox. When the Blue Jays face a lefty with a right-handed heavy lineup, money comes in on Toronto. Those are things that I already know are going to happen. But those are things that you want to look at in every handicap. You know, if you go and look at, you know, the White Sox with their right-handed heavy lineup and they're facing an elite strikeout right-handed guy, I want no part of the White Sox. I'll either bet against them or I'll skip over the game. So that's kind of one of the starting points for me. And it's a pretty easy thing to kind of cut down the card where, you know, if I see a pitcher's a lefty and he's facing a lineup that doesn't hit lefties well, then that's a game that I dig into a little bit deeper. If I see that they're starting a strikeout righty against a lineup that strikes out a lot, that's a game I may look into a little bit more. So that's how I kind of narrow my focus right off the top on the card, just looking at the handedness of the pitcher. Other things you can look at, is he a fly ball pitcher or a ground ball pitcher? You know, if he's a fly ball pitcher, I guess the lineup that hits for power, well, that's concerning to me. If he's a ground ball pitcher, I guess the team that wants to hit the ball in the air, well, that's maybe a positive for that team. So kind of creating a profile and then following it up with the stats of these starting pitchers 
is a really good way to start looking at the card and, and narrow your focus without driving yourself crazy spending 45 minutes on every MLB game when there's 15 of them per day. Similarly, you know, the Giants, right? I talked about the Giants in the NL preview as a season win total under that I like. They have some ground ball pitchers and they have a bad defensive team behind them. So in a lot of cases, if the Giants are throwing a ground ball guy this season, I'm going to look a little bit deeper at that game and see if there's something that I like in that matchup that I can look to exploit. So these are just basic things, just understanding the game, understanding the styles of pitchers and the styles of teams that can help me narrow my focus a little bit with the card, as opposed to just doing a deep dive on every single game that's out there. And look, I know there are also some instances where people don't want to lay minus 200, minus 225 on a favorite. If that's how you feel, you can you can bypass that game. You know, the, the thing for me is this is my job, right? For other people, you're working a nine to five or shift work or whatever. You got kids, you got things that you need to deal with, things that you need to tend to. You don't have a whole lot of time to handicap and study the card. It's okay to take some shortcuts, to cross out some games, as long as you dig deep enough on the games that you like. For me, I look at all 15 of them to some degree, but not everybody can do that. So that's kind of where I come in with the analysis with both the podcast and the article for you to check out. But just as something, if, if you want to try you know, handicapping for yourself first before just going in and reading or enlisting or tailing people that you respect, whatever the case may be, you can do some of these things. Start looking at you know, lefty-righty matchups, start looking at fly ball and ground ball guys, start looking at, you know, if there are injuries for a team. Things you can do to just kind of cut down the card a little bit. But there are some stats that I think are really important, and, and this is where I'll try not to get everybody in the weeds. There are two stats for pitchers that are good indicators of luck, and they are BABIP, batting average on balls in play, and left on base percentage. So batting average on balls in play is batting average, eliminating home runs and strikeouts from the equation because those are not balls in play left on base percentage is percentage of runners stranded. So look, if you're stranding runners, you'll have a low ERA. If you're not stranding runners, you'll have a high ERA. And that's where I go. And I look at the ERA and compare it to some of the other advanced metrics that are out there and see if I think a pitcher is in line for positive regression, getting better or negative regression getting worse in terms of preventing runs and giving up runs. But the thing about batting average on balls in play, again, BABIP and left on base percentage, LOB percentage over at Fangraphs, is that because of the nature of those two statistics, they never reach what we call a stabilization point. So a lot of baseball stats will reach a stabilization point at a certain number of plate appearances, a certain number of innings, a certain number of pitches, whatever the case may be. Those two stats never do, which means that they are open to fluctuation and variance all year long. And that's good for me because I can look at a pitcher and go, man, that guy's getting really unlucky. He's given up a lot of hits on balls in play. A lot of runners are scoring. Do I think that will continue? And sometimes it's bad luck and sometimes it's bad defense and sometimes it's bad command bad location of his pitches. Other times, it's just bad luck. Other times, it's just the, the natural variance of Major League Baseball. So that's one of those things where I can then dig into the data a little bit deeper 
and see if there's an edge to be had, if maybe that guy is undervalued, if maybe that guy is overvalued. So BABIP and left on base percentage are two stats you will see me write about as the season goes along here, especially in small sample sizes where guys may start out very unlucky, but you know, good strikeout rate, good walk rate, not giving up home runs, stuff like that. Maybe it's just been bad luck. You know, so that's something I do look at early in the season, but also throughout the season as well. Now, here's where it really gets a little bit more detailed from a statistical analysis standpoint. So baseballsavant.com is the home of StatCast data. StatCast is an MLB advanced media product, which is exit velocity, hard hit percentage, spin rate, uh, pitch velocity. Now they're getting into defensive metrics as well, and they released some new catcher metrics defensively this year, all those kinds of things. So when I look at contact management, I'm looking at two things. One is hard hit percentage, and the other is barrel percentage. Now, hard hit percentage is the percentage of batted balls that are hit at least 95 miles per hour in exit velocity. Now, I didn't pick 95 miles per hour. StatCast did that. But why is that important? Because when you look over the last five years, a batted ball of at least 95 miles per hour has a 512 batting average and a 1.035 slugging percentage. So on average, a batted ball of 95 plus miles per hour is a hit more than half the time. So if I go into a game and look at a handicap and a starting pitcher has a hard hit percentage of 45%, that's not good. Those are a lot of batted balls that have the opportunity to be hits. Whereas if it's a guy with a 32% hard hit percentage, I go, oh, you know what? This guy limits hard contact well. He gets guys to swing at pitches outside the zone or he pitches ahead in the count a lot or maybe there's some kind of deception in his delivery, something like that. So it's a positive to have a low hard hit percentage and a negative to have a high hard hit percentage if you're a pitcher. And the league average, I believe, is typically around 38 39% in that range. So anything well above 40% is bad. Anything in the low to mid-30s is good. So I'll look at that a lot and go, because I talked about it earlier, right? Run scoring opportunities are important for me to look at. If you allow a lot of high-velocity contact, you're going to allow more run scoring opportunities. It just is what it is. There's a high correlation between getting hits and hitting the ball hard. I mean, you look at 2022, the batting average on batted balls of 95 plus miles per hour was 488. That was the lowest we've seen in the stat cast era. You know what we don't have this year? The shift. So without the shift, I would anticipate the batting average on, on high velocity batted balls to go up. So it's even more important than ever if you're a pitcher to stay away from hard hit balls. So hard hit percentage is a really, really big one for me. And look, I understand a ball hit 110 miles per hour might be right at the right fielder. Just kind of is what it is. A batted ball hits 75 miles per hour might fall over the first baseman's head. Those are all true. There's variance in batted balls. But if you're not allowing hard contact, you're setting yourself up for some measure of success. If you're allowing hard contact, it's a much more difficult thing for you to work around. So hard hit percentage is a big stat when it comes to my handicapping. Similarly, barrel percentage. So a barreled ball has an exit velocity of at least 95 miles per hour 
and then falls into a certain range in terms of launch angle. And I won't bore you with all the details and all of that. Here's what you need to know. A ball de- batted ball defined as a barrel has an expected batting average of at least 500 and an expected slugging percentage of at least 1.500. Most doubles and home runs are barreled balls. So when you look at barrels over the last five years in the aggregate, a barreled ball, this is results only, has a batting average of 774. So over 75% of barreled balls in the last five years have gone for hits. And most of them have gone for doubles or home runs. At least a lot of them have. Last year, the barrel batting average went down to 728, lowest of all time in the StatCast era. So again, without the shift, I would anticipate the batting average on hard hit balls goes up and on barrels goes up. So that's why I look at these contact management metrics to really look and see the pitchers that are doing a good job of limiting hard contact and the pitchers that aren't. And that's a big, big, big part of my handicapping. Because again, we're talking about batted balls that have a greater than 50% chance of being hits. Hits create runs. Hits create base runners. And now base runners are going to steal bases. So that's why I look so much at the contact management metrics in terms of hard hit percentage and barrel percentage to kind of start handicapping the card. There are some other metrics too that I will talk about as we go throughout the season. Things like ERA and XERA, which is expected ERA, FIP, fielding independent pitching, which is strikeouts, walks, home runs, and hit by pitches, things that a pitcher can control. But as we've gotten this exit velocity data, we've also come to find that pitchers can control how hard balls are hit. And there's a high correlation in win rate if you're the team with the higher exit velocity, the higher hard hit percentage, and the higher barrel percentage in a game. It's pretty high as you start getting up there. I think the higher barrel percentage in a game wins about 73, 74% of the time. So that's a pretty high correlation between the quality of contact and the team that has success in a game. So that's why contact management stats are really important to me. And again, I don't mean to get everybody lost in the weeds. I will explain these things in the written article over at vcin.com and use more concrete examples of them here on the podcast when I get games that apply. But it's just important, I think, to kind of start looking at the game in that way because you'll watch a game and you'll go, man, they're hitting that guy hard. Yeah, they probably are. How hard are they hitting him? What does it mean in terms of your expected batting average, expected slugging percentage, stuff like that? That's what the data tells us. Again, the data reinforces what your eyes can see and provides a value to it, which is why I use all of these analytics, the sabermetrics and all of that in my handicapping. A couple of other things to mention here for you in terms of looking at game-by-game handicapping. I know a lot of people love to bet first fives, and that's fine. By all means, go ahead and do it. I generally bet a lot more full games than first fives because I look so much at bullpen usage. And this season may be a little bit different because I think the pitch clock could be more of a detriment to relievers than to starters. But when you look at bullpen usage, you want to know not only how good the bullpen is, but who's available. You know, for the longest time, the Brewers would refuse to use Josh Hader three games in three days. If Josh Hader pitched the previous two games, I operate under the assumption that he wasn't pitching in that game for Milwaukee 
unless it was an absolute emergency situation. Uh, the Cardinals have already come out and said that Ryan Helsley won't pitch back-to-back days at the outset. Ryan Helsley was dominant last year. So if I'm looking to bet the Cardinals and Ryan Helsley pitched the night before, maybe then I go to a first five. Or maybe then I give you know, a little more pause and a little more thought to betting on them in that game. So bullpen usage is really important. Who is rested? Who's available? Are any of the primary relievers not available? Usually there's a reluctance for managers to use guys three games in three days, four games in five days, five games in six days, stuff like that. There are sites out there where you can check that out. Roster resource over at Fangraphs keeps track of it. Uh, Baseballpress.com has a bullpen usage page as well. That's something I look at every single day for every single game just to see if there's an edge because it could also be an edge on the over, right? If a team's best relievers aren't available and they're going to have to use the fourth, fifth, sixth guys out of the bullpen, maybe that's a game that could be a little bit higher scoring. So maybe you'll get the total in that respect. Finally, kind of goes without saying, you got to look at the weather. You know, baseball, because of the, you know, the scientific properties of the ball, of the sport, how everything plays out, weather is a huge factor. And not only is it big for totals, you know, if the wind is blowing in, the ball's not going to carry. If the wind is blowing out to a certain part of the park, you know, if it's blowing out to right and the lineup's full of lefties, that's probably a good thing for them. If it's blowing out to left and the lineup's full of righties, probably a good thing for them. Definitely matters in terms of the totals, and the market usually jumps on these pretty quickly. But something else to consider, what if rain is forecasted in the early innings of a game? I'm handicapping starting pitchers. Yeah, I'm looking at bullpens, looking at bullpens, assuming a team has a lead and seeing who's available. But if there's rain in the early innings and a starter might have to sit for an hour and not come back out, that completely alters the handicap in a big way. So it's not just looking at the weather forecast overall, but if rain is expected, looking at the timing of when the rain is coming. And Kevin Roth over at Roto Grinders does a really, really good job of this. He's very active on social media as well. Uh, They're kind of looking at it more from a fantasy standpoint, but it applies to a betting context as well. So, look, you can read my article, but there are a lot of sources out there that I use as well that I think are important to implement uh, if you're doing your own handicapping. Places like Fangraphs, Baseball Savant, Baseball Prospectus, Twitter, and a list of beat writers. The you know weathermen that are out there, like Kevin Roth over at Roto Grinders. You can even look at stuff like Derek Cardi, who's you know contributed here to Vison before with the bat, his projection system. There's a lot of stuff out there, and I use all of these resources to try and do a comprehensive breakdown of a game before I get to a decision, and that takes time. So lastly, I'll leave you with this: hoping that on a daily basis the article will go up between 10 and 11 a.m. Pacific time, so that's between one and two o'clock Eastern. I'm hoping that the podcast will be out between 11 and noon on a pretty regular basis. Uh, We'll see how things go as I settle into the rhythms of the season. But you should have the article, you know, between 1 and 2 Eastern, podcast between 2 and 3 Eastern, hopefully 3 o'clock at the latest. So that's kind of what I'm looking at here in terms of my schedule for the upcoming baseball season. But I can't tell you how excited I am for opening day. Done a lot of prep work, did the team previews, a lot of stuff going on across the Major League Baseball landscape. Check out those team previews over at vcin.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast content. And very much looking forward to the opening day edition on Thursday of vcin Daily Baseball Bets. And I'm your host, Adam Burke. Make sure you follow me on Twitter 
at Skating Tripods. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.